This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. Hi, I'm Rosie. That's Rosie G, not Rosie the dog. And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Hello and welcome to The Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph and with Eurosport, and this week with Rosemary G, who is Rosie, not the dog, who, no offence, Rosie G, I would probably categorise as my second favourite Rosie. Uh, in in the world because position number one is is pretty much on lockdown but uh, Rosemary G is very much second uh, because she was one of our Kickstarter backers in our Kickstarter campaign last year and she was actually the Kickstarter backer that took us over the threshold to guarantee uh, all listeners daily Grand Slam podcasts in 2017 which we have done they are a thing of the past we are now very much in the present of the WTA finals I'm Catherine Whitaker and I'm so pleased to say that joining me having risen not quite from the dead but from by the sounds of it something not far off the dead the Lazarus like David Law live from Singapore indeed I certainly would not have uh been much company on Saturday. Let's put it that way. Uh, I was avoiding every everything human uh, for for 24 hours, and uh, well, it wasn't very much fun. I, I won't go into to too much detail, but anyway, I'm in Singapore. No. It's uh, it's 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 very nice. It's incredibly humid. I'm sitting outside uh, the main stadium just at the moment, sitting on a wall. I'm perched on a wall, having just done a, a three-hour, 20-minute commentary on the great Venus Williams defeating Yelena Ostapenko in the first real class match of the WTA finals brilliant match uh, 20 breaks of serve and uh, and I'm sitting out here in my suit and I tell you it is so humid it, uh, I don't I don't really know anywhere else that's got weather quite like Singapore it's it's very overcast I mean at the moment as I speak to you it's it's 11:30 at night and they've just started the second match of the evening session here um, and and even now you you feel like you want to get down to shirt sleeves you know it's not suit weather but you know, I'm a pro. I'm a pro. This is what I have to do. David Law cannot be wrenched from his suit, no matter what the humidity. Yeah, I when I was there a couple of years ago, I have to say it was one of my least favourite climates that I'd experienced. Um, what, what's the point in, in heat if you can't enjoy it, if it is um, couched in conditions so unpleasant that you can't enjoy it? Um, but yeah, it, it wasn't for me. <laughs> 
<laughs> but uh, I'm glad you're enjoying it out there in your suit, sweating away. Should we keep this recording quick, David? Why not? um it was the match of the tournament uh so far and there have been so far two and a half days of play from the wta finals in singapore that is because we've just been struggling with the the time difference and with david's hectic work schedule literally been struggling to find a time to report this record this podcast so we apologize for it being um a couple of days delayed that but it does mean we have even more tennis to talk about we've got a bumper crop um of matches we actually uh, had a brief attempt to record at 5 a.m my time uk time <laughs> this very morning brief attempt. i uh, i sent david a message when i went to sleep saying look i'll set my alarm for 5 a.m and uh, we'll see how it goes that alarm went off uh, and i i cannot it did there was not a flicker of a moment where i thought that i uh, might be able to produce anything podcastable uh, so back to sleep I went, and here we are at 4.30pm, my do, time. Do you know, I, I actually had my, my message pre-written, which was, don't worry, go back to bed. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even get out of bed, David. <laughs> I didn't well, well even entertain it, entertain it to that degree. Um, but sort of points for effort. Anyway, here we are. And um, it's great because we now uh, get to talk about the Williams Ostapenko match, and it was it was the match uh, that we'd been waiting for to set the tournament alight. Really, wasn't it? It was really great. I mean, Elena Ostapenko obviously ended up the loser today, seven five in the third. I mean, her she is extraordinary. I love watching her play tennis. Her second serve at times is dodgy as anything and yet she's still just this wonderful package of a tennis player I mean she defies the old adage that you're only as good as your second serve doesn't she I mean she makes mincemeat of that well to put it into perspective it it makes you wonder how good she would be if she had a second serve and frankly if she had a I mean she can occasionally hit a good first serve as as well but her first serve percentage for the year it's quite interesting at this time of the year you get given the stats for all these eight players for the year and her first first serve percentage in court is 10% lower than every other player here it, and, and talk to anybody here talk, we've got all the um, the expert analysts an, analysts here with us on BT Sport who, who've got the rights for this tournament Nigel Sears, a, a top coach who's been around for a long time, Joe Jury who's been a former world number 5, Martina Navratilova, the great Martina and the, they're all saying this, this serve has got to be dealt with because it, it is going to hold a bag, although she's doing an incredible job of, of competing at the top end of the game with just an absolute joke of a serve, relatively speaking, at this level. And 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 she was almost in tears at times in the match, just particularly in the third set. I think she hit something like nine double faults in that final set, just couldn't figure out how to get the thing in. And she still nearly won. So the, there's a lot of surgery to be done there. But I do feel as though that the talking on, surgery did you say surgery well i mean you you know you talk to to nigel <laughs> sears well, nigel sears reckons that this serve needs to be completely dismantled in the off season and put back together they need to start is again is the off season long enough to 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 take on a project like that well, i asked him in commentary he said yes he said if you'd got 6 weeks and if you really took it back to basics 
you could do it as long as you'd got a a, a free period and and that was your goal. I mean, today before the match today, she was practicing the serve for twenty minutes straight, but. According to to Joe, Jury, and Chris Bradnam, who were watching, it wasn't like she was trying any to adjust anything. She was just doing them one after another, and, and just as many were missing as were going in. You know, it really wasn't working. And the issue, the the, the thing is, even at its best, it's not a weapon, is it? It's not like her ground strokes, where where yes, they can be un, unreliable. Consistency isn't necessarily her middle name, but when she goes for broke and makes it, it is. It's you know it's a winning point almost every time. That is not the case with the serve. No, that, that's right. I, I just feel as though ultimately though the the talking point really the, the the focus of our conversation here should be Venus Williams because she's the third oldest player ever to qualify for this tournament behind Billie Jean King and Martina Navratilova, and she she's come here and she's won a match against the youngest player in the tournament a player who was three months old when Venus Williams reached her first Grand Slam tournament final and you know she's managed to win in three hours 20 minutes that having been said I I mean first of all I'm, I'm just I'm pleased that we saw Venus Williams fully engaged today that was that was the real Venus the one that we all love to see she's been anything but that frankly the first two or three days of this tournament both on the court and off it she she what she she looked really as if she'd rather have been doing anything else during the interview day uh, it was it was not something she embraced at all I, I, th- I think to be honest that she's just sick of all that really I think she just wants to play the game um, and even when she came on the court in the first match she looked flat and I did wonder whether she would be able to get herself going today well she proved that she very much does want to be here certainly on the match court and she's now got a real chance here who knows how far she can go at this tournament but she's she's in the mix yeah well i mean it's something that um simon briggs commented on you know pretty unfavorably uh, after the wimbledon final wasn't it or was it after the wimbledon semi-final i mean quite possibly after, after both he he finds it very frustrating that he he and other journalists are sort of unable to tell the magnificent Venus Williams story as as well and in as much detail as they would like because she doesn't tell it, she doesn't feel inclined to tell it, she doesn't particularly um, get up for for media commitments does she, I mean she she was there and she was speaking to, to well she was supposed to be speaking to you David, maybe that's why she had a face on because she'd been promised an interview with David Law. Yeah, I'm, and, sure, I'm uh, sure that's what it was. He was he he was having a lie down, and uh, she got Chris Bradnam instead. <laughs> that's so a bit she's harsh. taken she's ta- she's taken three days to recover from that. Sorry, Chris, if you're listening. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so she's taken three days to recover from that. But now that she knows that you're um, back to uh, full health, David, um, she feels that she can give it her all now. Yeah, that's a compliment I definitely don't deserve. Uh, but no, I, do you know what? In a way, I almost feel as though Venus Williams, media-wise, perhaps she should be getting the sort of exemption that the top male players get from having to play 
the Masters series, Masters 1000 tournaments, once they played 600 matches or whatever it is. And maybe she should just not have to do the media duties if she doesn't want to. Because even though I know there is a sport to sell here, I think she's just sick and tired of that aspect of the game. And she just wants to play. I mean, it's frustrating because, frankly, everybody here that I've spoken to is here to celebrate Venus Williams. And that's the frustrating thing. We want to really big her up and, and engage her in that way and, and, and have plenty of ammunition with, with which to tell everybody how wonderful she is. And, well, we're, we're doing that on court, but it, it was a bit frustrating that she, she didn't really want to talk to us very much. But there we are. That's done. Uh, and, 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 the, and today's result, I, I think, puts all of that behind us. Yeah, so in terms of who qualifies uh, from that white group, uh, we currently are recording during the match taking place between Garbinia Muguruza and Karolina Pliskova, both of whom won their opening matches. So somebody is going to be 2-0 and after that. And then we're going to be left with uh, two players on uh, one win, one loss. One of them will be Venus Williams and Elena Ostapenko, who's now suffered two losses. Venus Williams' final match will be against Garbinia Muguruza. I won't run through all the various different permutations, but uh, the winner of Muguruza Pliskova will be in pole position to qualify, and then it's likely to be between Ven- Venus Williams and uh, a another either Muguruza yes. or Pliskova. Is that about right? Yeah, that's about right. I wouldn't get too too deeply uh, embedded in, in the calculations. It is a bit of a head-scratcher, to be quite honest, and people will be listening at different times. What I would say is I, I had a chance earlier today to speak to Lindsay Davenport, uh, one of the former champions of this event, who's who's here um, helping the event uh, to, be, to be promoted, and there's a number of former champions here. And she said, having watched the first couple of days of this tournament and having seen all eight players in action and four very good victories for Muguruza, for Pliskova, for Halep and for Wozniacki. She said the player she was most impressed with in the first two days was Karolina Pliskova. She was really impressed with her and, and I have to say her win over Venus Williams was, was Pliskova at her best because not only was she hitting the ball incredibly well, she was more dialed in, more upbeat, more animated than I think I've seen her and, and I wonder whether maybe the fact that she's working here with Renee Stubbs is a little part of that who's somebody who's really upbeat she talks a heck of a lot she really does uh, like to to engage and um and and have a chat and she's a commentator as we know uh, and and well we'll we'll see whether that collaboration is going to work long term but Pliskova as I talked to you has already just won the first set 6-2 um, so things are rosy for her right now. Yeah it's not bad is it a 60 uh, a set over the WTA player of the year I wonder if current world number one Simona Halep feels a bit disgruntled at that being awarded to Magrutha but um, it's it, when, when you've had a year with lots of players having achieved number one um, I think it had to go to the, the player that had achieved number one and won a Grand Slam I, I that that was the distinguishing factor for me so I don't think um, you can question that decision too much personally I think it, it feels right it feels right it feel even more right if she goes on to win these WTA finals but who knows you were commenting also I saw on Twitter David that um, and it's something I find it very difficult to judge speed of court on the TV when I'm not watching live, but I could tell instantly that this court was slow. 
Um, and obviously it's quite difficult to hark back um, in your mind and tr- try and mentally compare it to the speed of court last year. But Martina Vratilova was obviously far better placed to judge than me, particularly because she's been hitting on the court. And you said that she was particularly taken with just how slow the court is this year. Yeah, it's something that everybody has said. Um, I, I didn't, Basically, Pliskova made it look a little quicker than it than it really is because she was hitting the ball so crisply, so well, that it was going through that court. But yeah, it's, it's like a pudding, uh, various, compared to so many other surfaces that we see on the circuit. And did you say like a pudding? Yes, I did. Pudding. Yeah, it, it just sort of, it's sticky. It, it doesn't, uh, it just... If you're a counterpuncher, we we saw it particularly when when Simona Halep played the other day. It didn't matter how hard her opponent hit the ball; she she was there, she was ready. And this was this is Caroline Garcia. She was playing, and Garcia was playing the sort of tennis in that match that she'd won eleven matches in a row with, big hitting, and she didn't do an awful lot wrong. She lost six four six one. Halep played really, really well, but she was certainly aided by that court because she was able to get around it so quickly and able to to chase balls down that perhaps on a slicker court she just wouldn't have been able to. Yeah, that match over in the... What what colour is the other group? There's the white group. The red red group. The red group. So in the red group, I didn't see Caroline Wozniacki, her 6-2-6 love win over Alina Svitolina. What happened? Well, uh, first of all, I mean, Svitolina looks absolutely thrilled to be here. She came onto the court full of smiles, took the, the hand of the, the mascot, the young mascot, and really nice exchange between the two of them. She got, I think, to 2-1 in the first set. You're thinking, oh, you know, this is going to be a heck of a match. She's got a 3-0 record against Wozniacki. And then Wozniacki, I mean, what, look, Wozniacki played well. But I'm afraid to say, Alina Svitolina, in my view, froze. She froze, and it was it was really uncomfortable viewing. She just lost her way. She had an on-court coaching with Andrew Bettles. Her hitting partner has been with her throughout the year, and you could sense in her facial expressions, this is just not going to happen. She didn't win another game. She lost 6-2-6 love, and... She's yeah. I felt very sorry for her actually because this clearly means a heck of a lot for her to be here, and she didn't show up in that first match. That having been said, I interviewed Wozniacki straight after the match for BT Sport, and and I put that to her. I said, you know, was this difference between the matches you played to against her before, uh, as well as you played, was this about? about the occasion being different this is the, the the tour finals as opposed to a more regular tour event and she said she said you know i'd like to give myself the credit for for, for the way the way she played because i think i played really well <laughs> i thought fair enough you know there's confidence for you <laughs> um so wozniacki's next opponent will be simona Halep. that match is uh tomorrow and svitolina against garcia follows that we won't do too much sort of predicting of imminent Matches because where you could be listening to this at any point um, in the next few days. So why don't I just ask you, David, who's going through to the semi-finals? Oh, On the basis question. of what you've well, seen so far, you've you've, you've now you've seen everyone who's going through. I would say I would say certainly Pliskova, and and I would probably say Muguruza. Um, I think I think we're probably going to end up with a Muguruza against uh, Williams shootout. I mean that may end up being proved 
completely wrong by the end of this match. But Pliskova is the standout player at the moment in that group. Um, and I would say Halep looked excellent yesterday, uh, as well as Wozniacki played. I would, I would go for Halep. I saw her practice today. And incidentally, I actually ch- had a chance to interview Sasha Bajin, the, uh, the hitting partner of Caroline Wozniacki this year, whilst Halep was practicing. And, and I was asking him about his role. And obviously, he'd spent all these years with, with Serena Williams. He, he was a, he's a fascinating chap, really charming guy. And, um, you know, he was able to give some insight into to, to, to what Wozniacki faces against Halep. You could tell how much he respects Halep's game. And goodness me, she, is fer- she was ferocious on the practice court. Just the intensity she was bringing to it. Every single point had meaning, even in the practice session today, on or off day. Um, so I would go for Halep to come through that group. Um, and I would probably... I don't know, I would probably think Wozniacki might be the one joining her as well. I think the players who won on the opening day may well be the ones that come through this time. Yeah, Halep may be with a point to prove, being the world number one. She wants to perform like the world number one. We saw how tightly uh, and with, with such a broad smile she clutched that um, number one shaped bouquet uh, with which she was presented in... Was that in Beijing that she was presented Yes, uh, with that, that was a really nice moment, wasn't it? The and the photos that came of that were just wonderful. And she um, doesn't want to have it prized from her. I uh, no. I rather suspect. Um, elsewhere um, in uh, the world of of WTA, um, it was a bit of a, a a teary a teary weekend, wasn't it? We had Yulia Gerges winning her first title since 2011 uh, in Moscow, beating Kazakina in the final. She was understandably delighted a little bit overwhelmed and overcome uh there we had Karina Vitoft winning the title in Luxembourg she beat uh, Monica Puig of Puerto Rico uh in the final and that was a very teary uh indeed well actually it wasn't quite teary I suspect it was afterwards but um Monica Puig during her um speech uh during the ceremony after that match did a very good job of just about uh, just about choking back the tears, um, paying tribute uh, to her home country of Puerto Rico, which has been completely devastated by Hurricane Maria. More than 80% of the population still without electricity there. I mean, it really is a, a, a horrible state of affairs. And she spoke very movingly um, about uh, the support, not just financial, but emotional and as a sort of... Uh, flag bearer I suppose for the country and the um, the, the continued um, attention that she's she's bringing um, to the issue um, worldwide and she's doing a very good job of that and she uh, spoke very well uh, about it in her speech didn't she she did I, I was really moved by both of those situations I watched both of those videos back and you could just in the face of Gurgis for, for instance somebody who's you know She's had some lean years in the, in the years since she got that last title win. And actually, she's had an excellent year overall this year as Yulia Gergos. But still, winning a title, it's different, isn't it? I mean, every single week of your life as a tennis pro, no matter how well you play, if you don't win the tournament, you end up feeling... Um, what it is like to be defeated. You get defeated every yeah, you, single uh, week. That's, that- that's the sensation that you leave the tournament with. That's the last sensation that yeah. you have on the tennis court, unless you lift, lift 
the trophy. Yeah, uh, and and uh, you could, it must be respect. it must be soul destroying at times for these players. You know that, that as you say that they leave and they don't have that uplifting feeling unless they win the thing or unless they win the doubles. And 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 there she was with the trophy at the end of it, having beaten Daria Kasatkina. Good luck to her. And Monica Puig, not a victory on court for her in in that particular final. Karina Witoft winning that one, but yeah, I mean for quite a few weeks now, Puig has been doing all she can to raise money and awareness for, for her home country. She's got Maria Chapova in Puerto Rico at the moment, helping her to do that. Good for them. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it was moving. And, you know, we wish that country, of course, all the best. And, 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 and good for Monica Puig that she's, uh, she's carrying the flag so well in that regard. Absolutely. She, absolutely. She's, a, um, she's a wonderful advocate. Um, for her country so very well done Monica Puig over on the ATP tour uh, we've had Nadal pulling out of Basel uh, this week haven't we, we've had obviously Federer then being elevated to super duper favourite to win Basel and therefore to to hot up the race for year end number one even further, I still think it's a longish shot but um, it makes it exciting um, in the meantime at least so I'm prepared to buy into that narrative uh, to a certain extent but uh, as we record it's still only day two of Basel and Federer hasn't even played yet so uh, we won't say too much about that last week we had Dimit Jumhur uh, of Bosnia winning in uh, Moscow um, and he's had quite a run uh, since Wimbledon up to 25 in the world he's an incredible story uh, is Demir Jumhur he uh, yeah I mean a lot of players that represent Croatia were originally born in Bosnia I believe Marin Cilic was born in Bosnia I believe Goran Ivanovic was born in Bosnia but due to um, the 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 situation of the country being completely war-torn during their childhoods. They were forced to to move. Absolutely no tennis facilities available uh, in Bosnia. I actually believe that the facility that Demir Jumhur ended up playing most of his tennis in during the early part of his childhood, it, it had been bombed to, to smithereens and uh, it had to be rebuilt um, and he could only latterly uh play his tennis uh, in that arena he really is an incredible story very rarely talked about he's a very diminutive guy isn't he um he certainly doesn't look like a sort of if, if you were making a, a bionic tennis player I don't think you would make him physically in the mold of Demir Jumhur he's um yeah he looks he's quite wiry an athlete isn't he but um, he is but sorry he's up to 30, 31 I've done him yeah. a, a bit of an extra rankings favour he'll be there, 25 soon don't worry he'll be 25 it's only a matter of time Demir yeah and anyway he's at a career high and, and uh, he is a player who's wonderful to watch certainly I mean I, I I don't know the technicalities of tennis as well as some of the ex-players, but I know many of them rave about him, and, and certainly in terms of watching him, he's got a lot of flair. He really throws a lot of, a lot at players because he doesn't have just big, huge ground strokes or serve the, the way some players do, but great fun to watch. Also got a great backstory. He's a, he was a childhood actor um, and played a, a starring role in one of the movies that he was in. Uh, he studied political science, and you know he's gone he's gone the scenic route in order to get to where he is quite frankly and uh, I mean I've got a slight a slight um, 
vested interest in a way in in his fortunes or in any Bosnian player's fortunes, similar to how I do with Croatia, because I've got some family, some extended family in in Bosnia, and uh, it's it's there's some there's such excitement when any player from that country I'm sure there is in most countries but there is huge excitement because they're, they're, they're relatively rare certainly within tennis it hasn't happened very often as you say no, I don't, I'm not sure whether Goran Ivanisevic was born in Bosnia but certainly Ivan Lubicic was um, and Marin Cilic as you said I think was born in Herzegovina but um, yeah it's uh, it's a great story so good for him and actually he had an all Bosnian semi-final in Moscow against uh, Mirza Basic not, not a player I'd met, heard of before but uh, yeah great story Has anyone asked Greg Sharko yet whether that has ever happened before an all Bosnian semi-final at ATP know. level I haven't yet but I think I might just do uh, only a matter of time um, I know you wanted to give an honourable mention to Max Murney David doing it for the over 40s <laughs> yeah exactly he's 40 years of age just won his 50th doubles title with a guy called Philip Oswald and uh that's 14 years after he reached world number one, Max Murney, as a doubles player. Still going strong. The beast of Belarus. And he's won his 50th title. Very well done, Max Murney. Moving on to Stockholm. Uh, Juan Martin Del Potro again keeping the race exciting. A couple of weeks ago seemed like a total cat and hell's chance of him, really. He was down at 25 in the race, seemed completely implausible that um, he would be able to play with the consistency required to accumulate the points required to qualify for London. But suddenly, um, it seems vaguely plausible, doesn't it, with a semi-final run uh, in Shanghai and now a title in Stockholm, having beaten um, Grigor Dimitrov 6-4, 6-2 in the final. He's less than 500 points now behind Pablo Carreño Busta. I know you weren't, ev- you weren't able to watch that final, David, so you appealed for some reviews on Twitter. Um, you've written one down here for me, at Nuriko Insane, and now I'm not sure that Twitter handle um, gives necessarily massive credibility to, to, to what they're about to say but he said he or she said uh, both players back to their normal selves Delpo dominating with his serve and Grigor full of bad decisions and unforced errors Delpo's backhand though now I don't know whether that means Del, Delpo's backhand though in a good way should I be saying saying it like oh Delpo's backhand though or he won uh, four Delpo's and two it's kind of, he's got to have played well surely yeah yeah, I mean, I, I feel confident he played well, beating Dimitrov 4-2. And, and actually, Dimitrov has a has a good record against Delpo. He's beaten him a couple of times this year. He beat him in Cincinnati, didn't he, on his way to the title. Yeah, beat him actually pretty handily in Cincinnati. And I commentated that match, and I thought that the matchup was really, just really worked for Dimitrov. He seemed to have found the keys. He seemed to have decoded Del Potro. But yeah, 4-2. and two. Um it, it's extraordinary stuff from Del Potro and after I saw his semi-final run in Shanghai I questioned it as much as we were all getting excited about him mounting this challenge for a place in London I didn't think he'd be able to do it week after week well he's done it for for a second consecutive week now you know doing it in Paris as well which would be required is is another big extra ask it, it, is, it is, yeah. But you never know, do you? Sorry, I think the cat is just vomiting everywhere. Day. Oh, sorry. Could you hear that awful noise? Dreadful. Good work, Magic. 
<laughs> oh, God, that's disgusting. Can you go away? Uh, listen, oh, I, I, I don't know what to do. This is awesome. Amazing. Oh, and I, I need to God. go. I, I might need to go and do the flash interview now because it's, t- it's two love in the uh, second. Let me just go and check the score. It's three love. Six, two, three love. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. Plush care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello Tennis Podcast listeners, David here. Now you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Now, um, there are two reasons why uh, we're going to cut a short uh, halt to this podcast. One is that uh, my adorable cat, Magic, seems to be vomiting (laughs) over to my left. And the second is that Carolina Pushkova now leads Garbini Muguruza 6-2-3 love. And David has to do the flash interview uh, with the winner of that one for BT Sport. And uh, that match is going by in the blink of an eye. Um, He has left me with an agenda, though, so I can do a very... Quick wrap up for you of the any other business that we were going to cover as a team. Uh, the Antwerp title for Joe Wilfred Songa. He beat Diego Schwartzman uh, in the final. Uh, fourth title of the year for Songa, um, which sounds really good. But um, I was going to posit it to David that you probably still wouldn't say that it's been a particularly great year for Songa somehow. But then you look at four titles and you think, oh, actually, maybe it hasn't been that bad. 15th. In the race, again, one of those in with an outside chance of qualifying for London now, 2,055 points, uh, just behind Juan Martín del Potro, who's on 2,135. They're certainly keeping it exciting, um, I think, especially given the fact that Kevin Anderson, Sam Querrey and Pablo Carreño Busta don't seem to be in any uh, particularly great form post 
US Open. So uh, there's that. We have uh, Thomas Burdick and Nick Kyrgios adding their names to the list of those male players that have called an early close to their season. Thomas Burdick has already been posting pictures of himself um, in a hammock uh, in the Maldives. So um, not going to feel too sorry for him. And Nick Kyrgios has been posting pictures of himself with his adorable dog back home in Australia. So not going to feel too sorry for him either. And one last talking point uh, that David has written down for me is that Dominic Team. Uh, has now lost seven first round matches this year and yet he's fourth in the race. And his question is, has this been a really not very good tennis year? Uh, which is unusually blunt for David Law. I thought he might have um, put a more of a positive spin on that. What I would say is that Dominic Team was the last placed qualifier, the eighth qualifier for the World Tour Finals uh, in London last year. And he qualified with the lowest ever points total for a qualifier for that event no matter you know what incarnation that event has been in the lowest ever points total and although it's not quite set yet uh, who the eight qualifiers will be it's pretty much certain that the eighth qualifier will have more points than Dominic Team did last year so make of that what you will I mean my my thoughts about Dominic Team and I think David's and perhaps the world's are are laid bear um uh, i i question a lot of his decisions uh, about his career on everywhere outside of the clay courts um and i don't think seven first round losses is good enough i don't think his record on on hard courts is good enough and i think he needs to pull his socks up but you know we we do have short memories and you think back to midway through um the clay court season and he was extraordinary he was utterly extraordinary his victory over Nadal his victory over albeit a not full throttle Djokovic at the French Open you know he has played some of the best tennis of the year so uh, that's just a fudge of an answer isn't it but there are my thoughts about Dominic Team uh, and what his run of results means for the tennis year uh, and uh, now that my cat is sort of finished uh, doing his business and left a little uh, puddle of delight uh, for me to clean up. I think I'm going to run off as well. We have been the Tennis Podcast brought to you in association with The Telegraph and with Eurosport and briefly also in the company of David Law. We'll see you next week. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.